0: If you can join me one more time uh, looking into this great uh, psalm, the 23rd number of psalm. I'm just going to uh, read this this first verse and just let us to meditate on that as we continue on to walk through these six verses of this 23rd number of psalm. I'm going to read from the New Living uh, Translation. For those of you who do not have that, it's going to read. A little bit different, but hopefully you'll see why I'm reading from the New Living uh, <coughs> Translation. I know many of us have become very comfortable of memorizing it in the good old uh, King James Version language of Shakespeare, and so I'm going to read this one so we can kind of see the meaning behind it. Amen. 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 Uh, seeing no more pages being turned, since we're all there, I'm just going to read verse. The first verse says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I have All that I need. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. We're going to talk about the comfort of the shepherd. Amen. The comfort of the shepherd. Aren't you glad that the shepherd can comfort us? And so, knowing that the comfort, that the shepherd can comfort us, look at this how the King James says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. New Living Translation helps us to understand what that statement is saying, that I have all that I need. So if you, don't, if you want for nothing, means you have what you need. Oh, hallelujah. And so as we look at this psalm and this poetic nature and how we can break it down, there's a lot of things to be put into place. But one, I want to point out that this psalm highlights our Lord as a shepherd. And so if he is the shepherd, then that makes us the sheep. And the shepherd is our Lord. And so therefore, he, not only is the shepherd his position, but is also his title, also his profession. Amen. And so therefore, it entitles that not only is he a shepherd, but then he has duties, he has responsibilities, and yet he's in a place of authority. Am I talking to somebody here this morning? And so, therefore, our role as a sheep is dependent on his title and his position and his authority. And what we just got done hearing the choir singing, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And we realize that reason why I have all that I need because he is with me. All oh, good news, isn't that good news? Oh, sheep are lost without the shepherd, but the shepherd is not lost without the sheep. See, the sheep need the shepherd, the shepherd is therefore the sheep. Amen. And so, since he is with us, we have all that we need. Let's look at this text. First, we're going to look at that he is provider. Therefore, since he provides for us, we are never in need. Have all that we want. And look at how we're never in need. Look what that the shepherd desires. He desires to lay us down. To, I'm sorry, to, lie, to have us to lie down in green pastures. In the reading we heard it wasn't brown pastures. It wasn't a dry land. It wasn't dead grass. No, 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 it was green pastures. Meaning here that he is providing a place for us to rest. Hallelujah. Anybody here want some rest? Anybody here is waiting for that day to check out from work? Oh, we like that song, working for the weekend. (laughs) Because we know we, when the weekend comes, I don't got to go and check in to work. So we wait for Friday to come. Anybody get excited when it gets 4 o'clock? Yes. <laughs> when it gets 4 o'clock, and many times people clock out, 4 o'clock come, 4 o'clock come. I, I'm just here now. I'm done working. I'm just here now. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the bell to ring. I'm just waiting for it's time to punch out, but 4 o'clock done showed up. And, and so we're waiting for the time that we can get rest. Oh, look closely here in this text that our God will continuously provide rest for us. Isn't that good news? Yes. That he's looking to provide rest. Not only is he looking to provide rest, not only will he give you rest, but he'll provide peace. He leads me besides what kind of waters? Still water. You know, still waters reflects peace. When, a, when, the, when the river is no longer raging or the water is nowhere in the range, we call them what? Calm waters. And when you say something's calm, it's peaceful. It's that still. There's nothing raging, nothing fighting there. God is allowing us, and look, look how people sell things. They sell the calm water that you can sleep on it. Don't they sell that? They don't, you, you don't want the raising waves that going to wake you up here in storms and things getting crushed on. You want that, oh, yeah, there's calm water. I could sleep at that. So he leads us. Now, not only is he providing rest, he's providing peace. But look what also, he's also, this rest and this peace is for our spiritual well-being. Our spiritual well-being. Because think about how we look at this, if you know it just, if you had just asked me the reason why this psalm pierced my heart is, is that not only looking at what's happening in our own city, but seeing what happened there in Boston. But things that have happened those weeks leading up to the, that situation, that there's so much unrest that we're looking for some rest. And the one way we can find rest is always going to our God. And so in regardless, regardless, look what's happening in our situation. Regardless of what's happening outside of our house or even inside our house, there's something inside of us Amen. that can't be touched. Yes. And that can give us peace. till your neighbor, peace. peace. And so when we have this peace, look what happens. In the midst of what's fighting and going all around inside of us, I said, Lord, I need thee. Yes. Every hour, I need thee. And so we can come to him in prayer and lay our burdens down upon him. In times of anguish, in time of hurting, in time of suffering, I can turn to him and he can give me peace. How can he give us peace? Well, look at the situation. We know who's in control. And think about, have you ever been on an airplane and he says, hold on, we're going to go through some turbulence. Can you go up to the pilot and say, pilot, just stop flying. We're just going to give up now. No, you don't. You hold on, right? Because it's out of your hands. There's nothing you can do but just sit back and see what's going to happen. And then if you go up to mess with the pilot, the pilot's going to say, Why are you messing with me? I'm about to crash now because you got me distracted. And so same situation. If God is in control of our life and leading us to where we need to be, when turbulence comes, we can just wait for him to speak and say, Hold on. Okay, God, I'll hold on. I lost somebody. Y'all could have been shouting right there. But realize that as he got it under control, I can just hold on to my chains. I I can hold on till I get to my safe landing, knowing that I'm trusting him to get me where I want to be. That's peace. Peace to know that he's going to work it out. Peace to know in the midst of turbulence, the midst of trouble and trials and, and tribulations, that my God is able to see me through the storm. And this peace allows me to rest. Rest means that I no longer have to wrestle and fight against things that are beyond my power and my strength. Do you understand that? Because you know the enemy's busy. He's doing all that he can to attract us. Uh, I'm gonna throw this one for free. It's not in this text, but you can find it in another text. You go back to Ephesians 6 chapter, look at the at the armor of God, and look at how he attacks our faith. How does he attack our faith with fiery arrows or fiery darts? And you know you do that from a distance. Reason why I throw this one in free because he does it from a distance to soften you up so you can get in close. And so he's trying to get us at a distance to get us to start doubting God, attacking our faith, and then he can get in close. How does he get in close? Once he starts messing with our faith, he starts messing with our mind because now we're doubting things. That he gets in close, he gets inside the house. Then now we start treating our family different because we have insecurities. We have doubts, we have anger, we have contempt, we have things that are unlike God, sinking into us. The next thing you know, you start fighting with those who you love most, you start treating them disrespectfully, you start hating on them, and then you're wondering why you have no rest at your house. Go back to what I said before, you need to get back inside and turn to God and say, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need thee. And then when we soften our hearts and we start open up and realize I need to be more forgiving. I need to be more gentle. I need to be more caring. I need to be more of this, more like him and less like this world. And it's amazing how peace and rest starts coming back into your household. Am I talking to somebody this morning? And so he does that for our spiritual well-being. But now look at the physical aspect. Sheep need to eat. And... The sad thing about sheep, and we call it our sheep, we call ourselves dumb. Because sheep are dumb animals. They will eat until there's nothing left to eat. And when there's nothing left to eat, they won't know how to find anything else to eat. They'll just fall down and die. And not only that, they don't know how to drink clean water. They just drink any water they see. And so they will drink stagnant water, and you know stagnant water has a lot of stuff in it. Not trying to get too graphic, but just think about if there's sheep there, what's going to be in that water? Hello, somebody. And that's what they will drink. And then they're going to get infections. They're going to get diseases. And they're going to wonder why they're dying. Say, I've eaten. I've drank. Why am I dying? Because you're not in green pastures and you're not by still clean water. Hello, somebody. And so not only is God concerned about our physical need, but look how it is spiritually that we need to realize that He is looking to feed us with the stuff that's going to make us healthy. And so, when we see that He's providing for us, He's not only providing for our spiritual well-being, our physical well-being. Look, look also, He's providing holistically for our spiritual and physical well-being. He's providing leadership. Y'all see that? Because He's providing us, He says. Look, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. And then he renews my strength or restores my soul. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name or for his namesake. Do you see the holistic aspect now? That he's not only leading us to places to nourish us, but he's leading us in our life. As sheep, we need to follow the shepherd as he's providing leadership. He's providing us the right path. The right path, basically, he's leading us to where it, it honors him. That he's taken us what we'll do right. Jesus made it clear. He says, broad is the, broad is the path and broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Yes, but narrow is the path and narrow is the gate that leads to righteousness. And few find it. But if you follow the shepherd, hallelujah, right. you will find it. Yes. The, man, the righteous step of the man are what? Ordered by God. Lead not to thine the understanding. Although we say, not he will direct thy path, he will make a crooked path straight. And so when you see that when you're trusting him, he's going to lead you in the right path that you can move in the right direction, and you'll bring glory to his name. Hallelujah. And so what we're seeing here, that when I am trusting him to be my leader and provide leadership in my life, I am trusting him to take me where I want to be. Hallelujah. And where I want to be is where I need to be. And when I get there, I don't want anything. Because I have everything that I need. Y'all see that? That's his provision for us. So the shepherd leads the sheep. And look what it does. And he leads us in righteousness. It refreshes us. It restores us. Think about the time that you are wrestling With doing what was right and what God has caused you to do and you are struggling, you needed to tell the truth to somebody, you needed to confess to somebody, you need to expose some sin issue in your life to that person you hurt and you are wrestling, you are struggling with it, you're like, how can I let this go? And the moment you surrender to God, if you have not done so, please do so, the moment you surrender to God, all of a sudden you feel restored. Why do you feel restored? Because you lay down your burdens. You lay down your guilt. You lay down your stress before the Lord. And the Lord lifts you up. Because the thing that was keeping you away from him. The thing that was hurting you. He freed you. Let me bring it to a sheep mentality. Sheep, if they're not following the shepherd, they get off path. And when they get off path, they're lost. Remember, the sheep need the shepherd. The shepherd does not need the sheep. See, the sheep need the shepherd to know where to go. The sheep are dependent on the shepherd. The shepherd is not dependent on the sheep. But the shepherd loves the sheep and therefore he does not do anything. Hallelujah. That's going to hurt the sheep. So he's doing everything that he can to benefit the sheep. And so in essence, he loves the sheep that he so much needs the sheep. But the sheep are neglectful to understand how much they need the shepherd that they think, that looks good over there. I know the shepherd is going that way, but something was sparkling over there that I haven't seen before let me go check this out and they go check it out and next thing you know that big old woo you got to get caught up in some thickets now you're stuck now you're looking at yourself saying man it was better where I was but now I'm caught up in some mess who gonna save me now and here comes the shepherd Now hope is here. Yes. And, 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 and remember when Jesus told about the parable of the 99? Yes. Found that one. What did he do with that one? He didn't make him walk back. Put him up on the shoulders and say, ha-ha, I got him, I got him," And rejoice. You see how that restores us? That in our time of brokenness, in our time of desperateness, that God will lift us up and will bring us back into the fold? That's restoration. Yes. It restores us. And so the moment that we lay down the thing that had us caught up and away from following God, the moment we lay that down, it will restore us. Now, catch this, catch this. Will I have some scars? Yes, I might have got some scars because the thickest cut me up. But guess what? It didn't kill me. See, the fear of the enemy is to make you think that if you do that, if you confess and you expose some stuff, it's going to kill you. But it's not. Consequences of our sin will always be the hallelujah. Forgiveness is everlasting. And so what we have here is that when we turn to God and we restore our soul because he's going to lead us on right paths, that we don't have to get caught up with that stuff that's behind us. And so when we follow his leadership, Look what we do. We lift up his name. And so our responsibility as sheep is to move when he moves. When he rests, we rest. Do you know that the shepherd sleeps with the sheep? And the shepherd sleeps with the sheep because the sheep are at calm knowing that the shepherd is there. And the shepherd sleeps with the sheep because he knows who comes at night. And so he's there to make sure that nothing's going to take away his precious sheep. So he's there. So that brings us to the next part, protector. He's not only provider, he's also protector. Tell your neighbor, protector. Even when I walk through darkness or the shadow, the valley of the which basically means in blatant, blatant darkness, I will not be afraid. Basically saying, I will not fear any harm. Think about how the sheep can sleep because if I look up, I see my shepherd there, I can go back to sleep because I'm washed over. So I have nothing to fear. Just like a little baby. isn't that, Have you ever put a little infant to sleep and they, they, they close their eyes but they open them back up to see if you're still there? Right, right. You nursing them, you putting them to sleep, right? And they close out. They're about to fall asleep, but they wait, wait, wait. wait. Am I still safe? Okay, are you still there? And they go back to sleep because you know, right? Because you wait till they go in deep sleep, so you can lay them down. Because you lay them down, you're not there. What they gonna do? I need some security here. Where are you? And so the same thing, we as sheep, we want to know that our God is there. And so that that I know Emmanuel, the God is with us, I can lay down at night knowing that I have peace. Because that rod and that staff, they what? Comfort me and protect me. The staff of a shepherd is is two things. It's not only there for protection and, and comfort, but it's also there for guiding the sheep. Remember, I said about the provides leadership. One thing that a shepherd does with the with the lead she, with the lead sheep, it puts he oftentimes will take his staff, the tip of the staff, and put it on the shoulder of the sheep to let them on right here, and that's how he can gently guide them. And then if a sheep gets off track, he can use the hook of the sheep to bring them around the neck and say, "Hey, no, come back right here." Then also, when a shepherd a sheep gets wayward, there's oftentimes they could put a stick at the at the end, a prick at the end of the staff to pry them and says, "You know, you're in the wrong spot. I need to give you a little more kick." To get you back in the spot. And all this do. The sheep are at comfort with this. Because I need that. Aren't you glad about that? Just like a child needs a smack on the hand. To find out that you shouldn't take that. And they need it. Just as they need a hug. To let you know I love you. They need it. Just as you need to hold their hands. When you're crossing across the street. They know it's across the street. But they feel better when you hold your hand. Crossing the street. I, I find that out with my, 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 my daughter. I take her to the school. And she know her way across the street. But yes, she grabbed my hand. I'm like, I don't, I don't have to reach for a hand anymore. She just grabs my hand and says, I feel better crossing the street in your hand. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's my responsibility to protect you, to God as She feels more comfortable holding my hand. How many here we like that, that God, I can take your hand? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like, precious Lord, yeah. take my hand, lead me. Yes. Hallelujah. And so we've seen here that our God is looking to lead us. He's looking to protect us, to let us know that I got you. Relax. It's okay. I have you. So when he's protecting us, we have nothing to fear. And so when we have nothing to fear, what does the enemy have? Nothing. Y'all catch that? Because the enemy deals with doubt. We deal with faith. Think about what you fear most. And once you allow that fear to grip you, it can come to pass. Because why? Now you start worrying how you can maintain what you fear. And when you start worrying about what you can do to maintain it, you stop depending on who can contain it. And so when we look at the situation and say, Lord, I put in your hands and you're not fearing it, then you're ready for whatever's going to come because you're trusting God to work it out for your good. Y'all catch that. And so the moment that I realized that If I fear this, then I need to put it in his hands so I can believe in this. Y'all see that? So if I fear death, then I need to put my life in his hands. Then I have nothing to fear anymore. Because he is the life and the resurrection. Y'all see that? that? If I fear my money problems, he gave us another promise. So I'm doubting my money. He says, well, bring all your tithes and offerings to my house so that you will have room. I'll open up the window, and pour you out uh, a blessing that you won't have room for. So I'm fearing my finances. I need to put my faith in him and trust him. Hello. I'm fearing my children are going to be lost. Well, he says, raise them up in the admonition of the Lord so they would have to part from it. That you should teach them and you should instruct them. And you're rising up and then you're laying down. Then, Lord, if I put my faith in you, I have nothing to fear. And so... Well, that points out to us that the enemy's trying to do all that he can. Yes, yes, yes. Death is going to come. Yes, yes, yes. Issues of bankruptcy are going to come. But Cass says, I won't lose my head over it. Yes. Think about how some people can lose their job. They still got a smile on their face. How is that? Because yes. their life is not based on their job. Yes. But when you base your life on things that have, have limited value, then for a limited time, you're going to have value because if it's based on that as long as you got that job you have your value but if it's based on God if it's based on the king and he's everlasting you're never going to lose value y'all see that and so we need to realize that if he is our provider and our protector, then I have nothing to fear. So therefore I place my faith in him. I can just close my eyes and rest. Because I walk by faith, not by sight. And so as the, as the shepherd sits back and he sits under maybe a tree and looks over the sheep as he rests, and he has his ear attended that any sound come, he's going to look to make sure his sheep are okay. We are confident. Just think about the same shepherd's staff, and I'm going to move on to the next part, the last stretch who I will give about our good King David. You remember King David came after Goliath? He came after him with his shepherd's staff. Yes. He says, you think I'm a dog? Yes. Because a shepherd will use that staff to beat off the wolves and the dogs that came after the sheep. So Goliath was looking at, the sh- at, at David, the shepherd, thinking, you going to beat me off with this? The shepherd said, no, I got something else for you. Yeah. <laughs> he has some stones. Yeah. And, and, and look what we could grab the illustration that he told Saul that I took care of a bear and a lion. So he said, the same way I did that, I'm going to take care of that. So the shepherd was resourceful. He realized that uh, this lion and this bear may not work with the stick, but I, I can use these stones and the sling. Can I help you out that our same shepherd can take whatever's facing us? He can take whatever's facing us. He can defeat it one way or another. You might think it'd be this way, but he might come another way. <laughs> just tell your neighbor, God can work it out. And so we know if he can work it out, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be stressed about it. We could just be, be at peace and have rest about it, knowing that he's going to provide for me and he's going to protect me. Hallelujah. So now that we know that he's going to protect me because he's provided for me, it has a shift in this song. Now we enter his house. We go from looking at a shepherd to a sheep relationship to looking to be honored guest in his house. Some suggest that you might continue to see the shepherd mentality in this latter part of this song beginning there at Verse 5, but saying that oftentimes a shepherd would take oil and it would put it over the sheep to soothe their wounds and to cover them and check them to see if there's any infirmities or wrong with them. But also it is is a Middle Eastern uh, tradition that a host will put oil on a person when they enter into their house. And we find that great illustration when Jesus was in the place and he was anointed. And the guy said, do you know who's doing this? They said, well, you did nothing to me when I entered your house. You didn't anoint me with oils or perfume, but here she is. Now see, since I sit down to anoint me. So we're seeing that there's a special way to treat guests when they come into your house. So we're going to see now the Lord is our shepherd. He's our provider. He's our protector. Now he's the perfect host. And as the perfect host, look what he does. He makes us feel as honored guests. You prepare a feast for me. You see that? You prepare a feast for me where? In the presence of my enemies. Remember, he protects us. So since he protects us, we have nothing to fear. And look what happened. He, basically the, some suggest that this is a literary translation basically being kind of a, a, a sarcasm as if, as if how I dare you come mess with me now. As people say like I'm in my daddy's house come mess with me now. Think about what kids do. If kids are getting bullied or mess around right they come to their house and now mess with me. I'm at home now. Come and act a fool now. My daddy or my mama come out. Somebody going to come out and let you know that you don't mess with me in my house. And so it's pointing out that now that I'm in my daddy's house, I dare you come mess with me. Right. He's preparing a table for an apprentice. He's basically saying, I'm laughing at you. You thought you had me down and out, but look, I'm at the king's table. And that's how we can be. We can walk around and realize that I'm a child of the king. And since I'm a child of the king, I have access to what the king has. Ooh. Instead of so I ask him what the king's has, then he prepares the table of the presence of my enemy. Look what this! Not only does he prepare a nice bread before me, but I got some good libation. Right. Basically saying it fills my cup to the brim. Yes. Anybody ever been thirsty before? Yes. And they start pouring into your cup. They say, "Say when." <laughs> you don't say when, do you? <laughs> you just wait till they get to the brim. They know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> they say, oh, that's enough. <laughs> I cannot put any more in your cup. And then you drink it right, and they still stand there, ah, I want some more. That's what our God is doing, that he's going to fill it up. Once you, once you acquire that, he's going to fill it back up again, because he wants you to enjoy the feast. This, this might suggest some eschatology, some end times, meaning this, that when we are at the great feast of the Lamb, that all of us will be able to participate and eat and drink and be married. And so we can see here how God desires for us to be in his presence and when He's he brings us into his presence, he's going to treat us like special guests. He's going to anoint us with oil, give us a spread and fill up our cup because he is our great provider and our protector. And he's going to be the perfect host and make us feel comfortable in the presence of our enemies. We have nothing to be scared or fearful of knowing that I am in the right place. Tell you never, I'm in the right place. So when you know you're in the right place, you have peace. And when you know you have peace, look what happens. Surely (laughs) your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. Now it moves from looking at our shepherd as a great provider, as a great protector, as a perfect host to now I have no choice but to sit back and worship you. Now it moves to our response of his great provision. And from our response to his great provision, saying this, that I will worship you. Basically, he's pointing out, I desire to be in the house of the Lord. And his desire to be in the house of the Lord means to be in his temple. We refer to this psalm as a psalm of David. And how many here know that David is a worshiper? Yes. Amen. David loves to worship. Amen. And his desire was to be in the house of the Lord. Because when you went into the house, you went to worship. Amen. Can I help somebody out, let you understand that when you come into the house of God, it's not about you? It's not about how you can do what you want to do and tell everybody how great you are, but you should come in the house and tell God how great he is. And so David realized, I desire to be in your presence, to be in your place, and tell you, God, how great you are. I want to worship you. And he, he's able to do that knowing this, that God is already faithful. Since God is already faithful, I need to be continuously, hallelujah, faithful unto him, that I should desire to be in the house of the Lord. I I, I know there's some people out there, and I I don't know if there's anybody here today, because you're here today, but there's some people out there who go from week to week, have no desire to be in the temple. They don't care how they got a prayer through. They don't care how somebody was praying for them, because they sure enough know, come Sunday, I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to wash my car. That's my only day off from work. So I got to sleep in or I'm going to go out on the course. But David realized that, Lord, I've been through much, so much stuff that I got to make it into the temple. Because, Lord, I found out you're faithful because surely your goodness. Your goodness basically means your gentleness, your kindness, your provision, your protection has been with me. Then it says your mercy, but a better translation basically is your unfailing love. And and I want to spend some time on this unfailing love. Can I spend some time on this unfailing love? I won't be long before you. I'm I'm already done. But I just want to talk about this unfailing love reason why, if you look in the Psalms, there's more uh, references to his unfailing love than anything else. And the reason why, because God is love. And it's kind of hard to talk about God and not talk about love. And since God is love, he's always going to be loving. Oh, hallelujah. And when I think about how God is always loving, I start thinking about how I've been unloving towards him. And when I start thinking about how I've been unloving towards him, I start getting feeling guilty because he's always been loving towards me. And so that's why David can realize that at times I've not been right, I haven't acted right, haven't lived right, but yet your goodness and your love has been with me. Hallelujah. Can anybody here testify that there's been some times in your life? Things haven't been right, but His goodness and His love has been with you. So, why can you not just worship Him? How can you not just bless Him? How can you not say, Thank you, Lord? You've been good to me. I'm so grateful. And so, you see how that's just a natural response. That he's been protecting me for so long. He's been providing me for so long. He's a great host unto me. How dare I not just worship him in this place and lift up his holy name. And you know about his unfailing love. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whomsoever believing in him shall not. But have. Will Have we'll have, oh hallelujah. And because of this unfailing love, we have everlasting life, and guess what? Guess what? We're gonna be at the table. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what day it's going to be. But I know there's a place set for us uh, who call on the name of the Lord and we're going to be able to come on in. Come on in. Oh, come and go with me to my father's house. There's what? Whoo. So can we gain comfort to know that he's our shepherd? in the midst of this darkness of this world, we have nothing to fear because nothing can harm us because he's our shepherd. He's our keeper. Let's turn to him forward of prayer. Father, we are grateful that you are our keeper. You are our provider. You are our shepherd. Lord, you are the greatest host. And Lord, we are, are grateful that in times that we have not been the best sheep You've always been the greatest shepherd. You've never once allowed us to be separated from you, for you came to look for us and bring us back. Lord, there might be someone here who's still caught up, oh God. God, we are grateful just as you've done for us, you can do for them, that you can restore us, you can refresh us, you can strengthen us. Lord, right now, we confess to you right now, God, in the times of our lives that, Lord, we haven't fully followed you. We've lost our sight of other things. But, God, we are grateful that your mercy, your goodness, your unfailing love is with us. And, Lord, our desire is to be in your presence, not just on Sunday, but every day of our lives, that we truly trust you to be our shepherd to lead us in every aspect of our lives. Now, Father, Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus. Ask the Lord and say, Lord, I pray on today that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that he is Lord and that they can know salvation on today, oh God. To know how they can be set free of the pain, the suffering, and the hurt, and the guilt, and the shame of this world and know your peace, your joy, your love, and your mercy. Jesus, minister to us right now. Minister to us right now. Minister to us right now. Why my heart is filled. The doors of church are now open. My heart.